Good morning and welcome to another scintillating episode of the Christian Underground News Network this Saturday morning, May the 31st. Uh, we have uh, our usual Tuesday morning guest, Mr. Dr. J.B. Mr. He's a Mr. too. But more importantly, Dr. J.B. Hickson, uh, again with us this Tuesday morning. We're blessed to have him as always. Um, I just got done listening to uh, another interview that J.B. had done with uh, David Fiorazzo uh, last hour. I live streamed that and did a fantastic interview on uh, how close are we to the new world order? Uh, if you're interested in that kind of subject matter, ladies and gentlemen, uh, go to notbyworks.org and listen to the interview that just completed before this one started. Uh, you'll get some great information on what scripture has to say about the uh, current times we live in. Uh, before we begin today's subject matter, I'd like to uh, remind our listeners that if you'd like to hear more, uh, that uh, from JB, you can live stream his uh, Sunday morning and Wednesday night church services at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado. Uh, you can hear his Sunday morning live stream at uh, 9.30, I think, and is it 9.30 a.m. Mountain Time? N 9 and 10.30. 9 and 10.30 Mountain Time, and Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. So, uh, you can live stream that through notbyworks.org. Uh, his, his church services are fantastic. I've watched a few of them, listened to him. Uh, you can tell that he feels at home at uh, Plum Creek Chapel, just by the way he delivers. You'll love it. So don't miss it. Uh, tune in and, and get some more great information from Dr. J.B. Hickson. Now, this morning, we've got uh, a subject that is extremely important in our view. Um, it's something that's been happening for quite some time, for, for many, many decades in this country. Uh, JB, I think you'd agree that, that we live in a time, a day and time right now where we're actively watching the collapse of everything American, uh, our, our society as a whole, our economic system, our, our moral uh, uh, compass, uh, you know, our, our political system, uh, just our, our way of life, our freedoms are collapsing right before our very eyes. And that's not the only thing we see collapsing along with all the other collapse. We're witnessing the collapse of the New Testament church. And, and it is <laughs> not just collapsing, it, it's, it's a full full-blown implosion, if you ask me. Um, it's been happening for quite some time. It's picking up momentum. It, it's a horrible thing to see, uh, but there are some reasons for it, and I know that you probably got some great things to say about it, uh, some, some very pertinent information and data to share with us on why uh, the collapse of the New Testament churches happening in America and around the world. Yeah, well, good morning, Curtis. Great to be with you and uh, just really uh, always enjoy our time together. And by the way, thank you for always giving a shout out to Plum Creek Chapel. You know, I am blessed to be the lead pastor there, and I think it's the best church uh, in on the planet. I mean, we uh, we just have such a great church body, uh, and uh, we have a steady stream of visitors every week uh, as we great. travel around the country and speak and do different interviews. It just it, it alerts people to our presence there in the Denver metro metro area, and I think it's fantastic. Uh, I know we had seven visitors this past Sunday, and if you're ever in the Denver metro area and you want to see what a real New Testament church looks like. Stop by and see us at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, which is a southern uh, suburb of Denver. And you can check out the, more about the church at PlumCreekChapel.org. But uh, thanks to all of our uh, folks from uh, PCC that are listening, and uh, thank you for the privilege that I have of being your pastor. So, uh, yeah, today we want to talk about the rising tide of apostasy. And apostasy is a 
Greek word in scripture that is uh, used, it's apostasia. So the English word apostasy is a cognate from that original Greek word, and it just means departure. And in the context, it can either mean a departure from sound biblical doctrine or a departure from the Christian faith, a departure from the Christian community. Uh, by the way, it can also mean a physical geographic departure, like moving from one location to another. But in our context today, we're talking about a spiritual departure, a spiritual apostasy of the church. And I, I like the way you described it in your introduction, the we're seeing the collapse of the church. And, you know, without being too melodramatic, I, I really th think we are seeing the twilight of the church. And, you know, God's divine design was to, to uh, uh, create the church, the body of Christ. It's a mystery in the Old Testament, meaning it was never mentioned in the Old Testament. But as you come to the New Testament and you read about it in Ephesians chapter 3, you see that God's plan of the ages included this uh, period of time between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ that is unique. Yes. It has certain uh, key purposes uh, that are unique. Uh, to this uh, present age. God is using uh, the church today uh, for uh, His glory to spread the gospel, to teach people about Jesus Christ, the only hope uh, for the world. Uh, there are many purposes. In fact, in my series on Sunday mornings at nine o'clock, we're going through What Lies Ahead, a biblical overview of the end times, and uh, we're, we're, we're in part 57 this coming Sunday, so it's been a year and a half or more that we've been going through this, but as a, as a part of that series some time ago, I talked about the five purposes for the church, uh, and those included uh, you know, showcasing the exceeding riches of God's grace and mercy. The, the purpose of the church is to get Israel's attention so that when Christ comes back, they will have seen a, a foretaste of what uh, glory will, um, you know, will be like in the kingdom. Uh, there are several purposes of the church in this present age, uh, and it's been around for 2,000 years. Obviously, it was founded on the day of Pentecost uh, in Acts chapter 2. Uh, we can actually prove that uh, biblically. We won't take the time to go through those verses. but uh, And then now here we are roughly almost 2,000 years later, and as predicted in Scripture, the longer the church age goes on, the greater the amount of spiritual apostasy. So 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Mm -hmm. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, Paul warns, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, mm -hmm. but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, <clears throat> they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And then Paul goes on the very next verse to tell Timothy, his young son in the faith, but you be watchful in all things. And, you know, at the end of chapter uh, of his first letter in, in first Timothy, uh, in chapter six, the last two verses, Paul challenges Timothy, and it's a verse that I've always really taken to heart, to guard what has been committed to his trust. And uh, yep. Yep. so... You know, I think uh, the, the task of believers today is to be aware and on guard against uh, this rising tide of apostasy and to guard, most importantly, the gospel and the purity and clarity of the gospel. Uh, but, you know, a, a lot of times you'll hear folks that are passionate about Bible prophecy the way we are at Not By Works Ministries uh, talk about this end times apostasy that is a sign of of the soon coming of the Lord. And indeed it is, but I, th I think we need to clarify, you know, what we mean uh, by that, uh, because, uh, you know, apostasy has been around as long as Christianity has been around. Uh, yeah. There have always been believers who have departed from the faith. Uh, Paul, in fact, talks about some of them in his letters and calls them out by name. So the reality of, you know, Christians turning their back on God and, and drifting away, or in some cases running away from uh, the Word of God, is nothing new. Uh, but what the Bible says is that as we get closer to the end of the age, 
we're going to see an uptick in that. Yes. And in fact, in volume two of Spirit of the Antichrist, I have a, an entire chapter uh, that I'm working on. Uh, I've already written the, the first draft of it that will talk about this religious uh, apostasy and, uh, and, and what that looks like. So, you know, what I thought we would do today in light of, of this biblical teaching about the great end times apostasy is just address some of the manifestations of it and call uh, people's attention to it and encourage them to, uh, you know, be on guard. And, you know, it's, it's hard, getting harder and harder to find a good Bible-believing church. I, I've said this many times. People probably get tired of me saying it, but, you know, I get calls all the time and emails from people asking if I know of a good church in their area. Just yeah. uh, yesterday, no, yeah, it was yesterday, in fact, Memorial Day, because uh, I was surprised that a person, <laughs> but I was talking to a person from Seattle uh, who uh, had called and said, hey, you know, I live up here in, in the wasteland of Seattle. No offense to people from <laughs> Seattle, but that's what she basically yeah. referred to it as. And she said, do you know of any good churches up here? And, and unfortunately, I didn't. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in Seattle uh, for about three or four years. I uh, was privileged to work with uh, Charles Stanley and do some Alaska cruises where I would do some Bible st uh, study teaching uh, throughout the seven days. And then he would... Uh, do some plenary sessions uh, in a big theater there on the ship. Um, so that we always embarked from Seattle. And then I, many people know I worked with Logos Bible software for nine and a half years. And so we were spent a lot of time up in Bellingham. So I know that area very well. Plus we've spoken in Eastern Washington, a ton uh, up in uh, Spokane and even in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So I get it. I understand that it is uh, a very postmodern area. It's, uh, you know, really further along in this drift away from, God's word and biblical conservatism than than many other places in the country, but it's uh, it's becoming harder and harder, as evidenced by this lady I was speaking with, to find a true New Testament church. Now, let me mention there are no perfect churches, right? Oh, um, absolutely not. And and if if you find one, you know, don't go there because you'll ruin it. <laughs> it won't be perfect anymore. Uh, but uh, but it's true. As long as you know, church, churches, of course, are made up of people, and yes, uh, yes. You know, we uh, as believers still have that old man rearing his ugly head, and and we walk in the flesh sometimes, and so yes. no perfect church. But there are some fundamental core elements of the New Testament church that and no church should abandon, and mm -hmm. that when you do abandon, it means you're really no longer. A church by the biblical definition, right? So, right. So, but back to what I was saying about you know people pointing to this end times apostasy as a sign of the times. You know how how can we really identify uh, that this is the great apostasy, and therefore the return of the Lord is very close? Well, I don't think we can with any absolute certainty, right. but it's a matter of degree, and if let's just use America as a subculture. If we were to say that, you know, a hundred years ago, uh, the vast majority of Christian churches were, uh, let's say independent Christian churches, were still, you know, fundamental Bible-believing, you know, Christ-honoring, gospel-preaching churches, um, you know, uh, if that number was, say, 80%, and I'm not talking 100 years ago about the mainline Protestant denominations, because 100 years ago in the early 1920s, they had already started to drift away, uh, uh, not, yes. you know, around the turn of the 20th century. But I'm talking about, you know, independent Bible churches and conservative evangelical churches. If, if we were to say, and, and this isn't scientific, just my gut, that 100 years ago, you know, 80 percent of them were pretty solid. And then today, if we were to say that only 5% are pretty solid, well, that's a significant statistical drift. Oh, and boy. so that, I mean, I think that would reasonably allow us to reasonably conclude that we're getting closer. So it's a matter of degree. Yes. Um, it, it's, and it's also a matter of degree of the specifics of the apostasy. I mean, you know, even 100 years ago, it would have been highly unusual to have 
openly gay and lesbian people oh. being in the pulpit preaching Absolutely. or singing or being celebrated uh, yeah, that's right. you know uh you know there, there, you know there's no way uh, you would have seen that uh happen uh I, I know there was an article uh recently that my friend uh david fiorazzo wrote about how a church was actually promoting from the pulpit the lgbt uh agenda and oh, so Lord. you know yes and I, I i think i read that article too I believe it was a, I believe it was a Presbyterian church, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they actually hosted, you know, a a a, a, a drag queen show for twelve yeah. year olds. Oh, 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 yeah. Goodness. oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. I think it was actually a UCC church, if I'm remembering it right. I found the article, but yeah, yes, yes, they, yes, yes, they, yes, yes. They hosted a pri- a youth pride conference, You're right. You're right. Um, and I encourage people to check. Uh, that article out at Harbinger's Daily. But by the way, Not by Works Ministries has a ton of, uh, you know, different video interviews and articles that we've uh, been blessed to have posted at Harbinger's Daily, and also in their uh, list of recommended churches at HarbingersDaily.com. You'll find uh, none other than Plum Creek Chapel. So we're we're thankful <laughs> for that. Um, so that's a good website, um, you know, as a resource. But you know, so a hundred years ago, we would not have seen that. So it's not just the right. amount of churches that have drifted as a percentage of the whole. It's also the nature of what they're doing. I mean, blasphemous yes. things. And so, yes. you know, and I, I it's think getting, it's becoming more blatant uh, with, with every passing day, it seems. Yeah, totally. I mean, it really is. And, and that, again, shows the degenerative nature of depravity. It gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.13 that, indeed, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And mm-hmm. it's no accident that all of these verses that we're talking about so far in, in this subject of apostasy come in one of the pastoral epistles written to Timothy, uh, you know, first and second Timothy, uh, about the church and what to watch out for in the church. So it's easier for us to conceptualize the fact that the world is getting darker and more evil and that we're seeing a, a shift. Um, but when we stop and realize this is influencing the church, yeah. That's when it should really cause us to pause and say, we've got to be getting close. Um, so I think uh, there are at least five areas that come to my mind. Uh, I'm sure there are many more, but just as I sort of thought and prepared for our subject today, the rising tide of apostasy, I think uh, there are five topics I'd like to address that I think manifest this spiritual apostasy that Paul warned would be increasing the closer we get to the end of the age. Um, The first of those is doctrine. Um, And I go to this one first, just because I'm passionate about theology and about doctrine, and it's what I've devoted my life to studying and teaching. And I think sound doctrine is uh, critical. Paul told Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. (laughs) And I think it's something that we should all do. So we see a marked departure today in churches uh, from sound doctrine. In fact, in many cases, you know, they're actually making fun of anyone who thinks doctrine is important. Um, one yeah, of the articles they, that... That's right, they are. I, yeah. I hear it all the time. Oh, yeah. If you, if you uh, talk about the importance of doctrine you know, you're harsh and mean and unloving, and you're you're drawing lines that don't need to be drawn. And uh, um, yeah. one of the articles that Harbinger's picked up that I wrote some time ago uh, that's still posted there is called The Death of Doctrine. And I would encourage folks to check that out. But, um, but what do we mean by doctrine? Well, we mean uh, biblical conclusions. You know, theology is the process of studying scripture. Doctrine is the conclusion, the product. And uh, there are several ways that we see churches departing from sound doctrine, most notably when it comes to the gospel. Yes. So many churches are preaching a false gospel. Uh, either they're promoting uh, sort of this anything goes gospel, where you know all you got to do is just love Jesus somehow, and if you have a if you if you you know love Jesus or you're a nice person, you're going to get in. You know, well right. they've, de- they've deconstructed 
the gospel. And uh, my book, uh, I hate to keep talking about books and articles, but they just, they pop into my mind and I think they're helpful. But my, my book, Getting the Gospel Wrong, which came out several years ago, addresses the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel. And it, it, it reduces the gospel to the irreducible minimum, that, that, that quantifiable content that someone must believe. Basically, the whole book sets out to answer the question, according to scripture, what precisely must someone believe about Jesus in order to have eternal life? And scripture is crystal clear about that. So, um, but most churches, they don't care. Any old gospel will do. Um, another way that we see doctrine under attack with the gospel is through the rising uh, surge of interest in Calvinism. And I'm teaching on Calvinism and what it is and whether it's biblical Wednesday nights at our midweek service. And uh, to my surprise, we just kicked off that series last week. And it's gotten a ton of interest. We had triple the amount of usual uh, live stream viewers, um, uh, and and then we've had a ton of downloads. And so, I'm just uh, surprised, pleasantly, that there are so many people interested in that topic. And uh, I encourage people to check that out, either live stream it or watch the videos or listen to the podcasts, because my experience has been that a lot of people might think they're a Calvinist because they don't want to be labeled as an Arminian. Um, but you know, that's, that's a false dichotomy. It, you don't have to be one or the other. Uh, it's kind of like Coke or Pepsi. Well, what if I like iced tea, you know, uh, well, too bad. You have to be one or the other. So, uh, no, you don't, uh, we, we want to be biblicists first and, yes. and then, you know, critique any theological system based on what the Bible says. So, but what I found is even people that think of themselves as a Calvinist, uh, if they really listen to what the Calvinist leaders are teaching in their own words, they will eventually say, wait a minute, I don't believe that. We'll try to be gracious and, and really let them speak for themselves and then just take what they say and compare it to scripture and explain why we have an honest disagreement. Uh, so I encourage people to check that out. Um, but, you know, because Calvinism has, has grown in interest and it's so widespread, uh, I think that also uh, represents a, a a clear and present danger to the the you know the the true church because yeah, yeah. whatever else you say about Calvinists, uh, what they're teaching is not accurate when it comes to the gospel. And right. I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, people may disagree with me, but if they'll watch or listen to our series that we're doing, uh, so again tomorrow night will be the second installment of that series. Uh, you know, let me make the case. I mean, I, you know, what I, what I love doing when I talk to especially ardent, uh, you know, really passionate Calvinists is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say, so you believe such and such. And they'll say, no, of course I don't believe that. And then I'll say, well, what I just said was a direct quote from John Piper. And they'll be shocked. No, he never said that. And I'll cite the page and, or, you know, John MacArthur or R.C. Sproul or Mark Dever, yeah. or, you know, Tim Keller. And so yeah. the fact is they're just not listening to what these guys are really saying. Mm -hmm. And when they do, if they're intellectually honest, they'll yeah. have to say, well, I, I don't believe that. So I, I guess I'm really not a proponent of Calvinism. Yeah. Um, well, we will, uh, uh, I won't even grow tulips in my yard anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're so opposed to calvinism you won't even grow tulips in your yard. <laughs> i love that so for those of you that may not know tulip is an acronym that represents the five points of the calvinist scheme which are total depravity unconditional election limited atonement irresistible grace and perseverance of the saints so pastor is uh saying uh, he's so opposed <laughs> to calvinism they won't even grow tulips i love it and, he, and he's serious about that too yeah <laughs> well it's uh so so doctrinal aberrations or doctrinal problems i think are one of the first markers that we see of this rising tide of apostasy. There are others, you know, there are uh, churches that are abandoning the inerrancy of scripture. They're abandoning the uh, doctrine of eternal security. They're abandoning, uh, you know, other key standards of orthodoxy, belief in the virgin birth, belief in the Trinity, belief in young earth creationism. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So, you know, the Bible is under attack, no question. In fact, um, I, there's one article that uh, just came out last month in April. Uh, let's see, this was on the Berean Review, and it was an annual report that shows a massive drop. This was from the American Bible Society study, a massive drop in Bible reading among Americans, like oh, a dear, precipitous, yeah. you know, drop uh, year to year. So uh, that to me is one sign, again, of this end times apostasy that tells us we must be uh, getting close. Uh, a Barna study, uh, this is again another David Fiorazzo article from March of this year. Uh, he and I talked about it on a previous uh, episode, and I think he might have even mentioned it on uh, today's interview, but only 2% of younger parents hold a biblical worldview. 2%. Now, if you were to go back even 50 years ago, uh, that number would have been more like 60 or 70%. Yeah. Um, what do we mean by biblical worldview? Well, a biblical worldview means that the Bible, that, that you view the Bible as the only standard for your beliefs and attitudes and practices. Uh, in other words, when making decisions, the question of what does the Bible say trumps everything else. And according to this study, only 2% of young parents believe that. Oh. So you oh. Know, we are essentially one generation away from 100% of people not holding to the Bible as their only standard. Um, you know, uh, there's another example that I see. Again, these are just anecdotal uh, evidences, but uh, this is also from April. I saw an article that talks about a TikTok pastor. Uh, this is a guy who basically does a virtual church okay. who, who plainly says Jesus is not the only way. Oh, well, yeah, I, well how I, do you rec reconcile that with John, uh, you know, 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. That's pretty plain. So these are examples of doctrinal uh, departures, which are a part of this rising tide of apostasy in the church. Uh, again, and I don't want to make it sound depressing or sound like, woe is me, what can we do? Uh, there's always been a remnant principle running through Scripture. Oh, you yeah. know, uh, after uh, the, not long after creation, <laughs> Uh, God had to destroy the earth in the days of Noah because there were only eight people mm -hmm. that truly believed the gospel and were living out uh, the you know God's word. So, uh, so the remnant principle runs through Scripture, and you know maybe in another uh, discussion sometime we can talk about all the bright spots and all the fact that there are heroes of the faith today that at Absolutely. great personal cost are taking a stand. You know, um, and uh, but but by and large we see people abandoning the plain and simple truth of yeah. Scripture. What do you think the biggest reason for that is, J.B.? Is it, is it, uh, is it a self-pride issue? Are, are we adopting doctrine that just sounds good to us? If it, you know, if it allows us to commit sin and, and not feel bad about it, uh, do yeah, we I mean, it because of that? Or? I think there are two approaches to answering that question, you know, what is the cause of this uh, doctrinal apostasy? On the one hand, from God's perspective, we see this just as the natural uh, outworking of, of the depravity of man and the fact that this is, you know, God's plan sort of coming towards the end game. Uh, and we're entering, you know, I believe very close to this end game of his prophecy. So from God's perspective, um, it's not catching him off guard. Uh, it, from a spiritual perspective, it's it's uh, exactly what we read about in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that this, the devil is blinding men's hearts to the gospel. Um, we see, as we read about in uh, 2 Timothy, uh, you know, the reality of uh, the fact that people are giving heed to deceiving spirits. So yeah. there's clearly a demonic, you know, component to this. And then in 2 Timothy 4, 3, uh, we see the human component, which is they have itching ears and they have these fleshly desires that is causing them to only hear what they want to hear. They're, 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 they're heaping up for themselves, 
teachers that will tell them, that will validate their sin, basically, that will say, you're okay to sin. Um, and, you know, I don't mind mentioning names. I probably will offend some people, but, you know, the Apostle Paul tells us to mark those who are teaching contrary doctrine in Romans yeah. 7. So, I, I mean, I feel like Joel Osteen is a prime example today oh who you know, goes on 60 Minutes and 2020 and all these different talk shows with Oprah Winfrey and whatever and says, you know, we don't want to tell people how bad they are. We want to tell people how good they are. We don't want to mention sin. And, you know, we want to just build into people's lives. And so, yeah, man, that's that's a very encouraging message. You know, no wonder that church is packed with tens of thousands of people every weekend. But yeah. you know, the Bible says we do need to help people understand their sin and their need for a savior. And yeah. you can't get saved if you don't know you need a savior. Yeah, so right. when people are told they're okay and they don't need a savior, they just, just, you know, do the best you can and you're okay. Well, then they're not going to, you know, be convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So, um, so I think, you know, to answer your question, I think there's a spiritual side to it, that this is part of the devil's attack and demonic attack. There's also a human component to it where people obviously don't like to be corrected. You know, even in this Christian realm, uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us no chastening seems pleasant for the present moment. Uh, so if you can avoid it, well, why wouldn't you? So you yeah. go to these churches that if you're gay or lesbian or bisexual or whatever the different terms are these days, and the church is going to embrace you and say, hey, we, you know, you're fine just the way you are. Well, why wouldn't you go there? So, uh, so yeah, I think, I think uh, it's, it's definitely one of the biggest manifestations of, you know, of, of this doctrinal apostasy. But there are a couple other things before we run out of time that I think manifest this rising tide of apostasy. Uh, we see it not only in doctrine, but in morality. So we see the church becoming more and more comfortable with immorality. Um, yeah. there, the Bible draws some very clear lines in, in many areas. You know, there's some gray areas, of course, but there's some absolutes. And these absolutes are fading away. And yeah. so people are more comfortable with, you know, sexual promiscuity, uh, infidelity, homosexuality, um, and it's become so mainstream. Of course, the, the, the uh, uh, pagan uh, compulsory government school system is brainwashing all of our young people oh into goodness, yeah. thinking that these types of behavioral aberrations are normal and okay. Um, and it's really the, what we're witnessing is the death of shame. You know, people don't feel shame anymore. Um, and it's, it's really, uh, it's sad. So I think morality is shifting. And that's, of course, that's true, not just within the church, that in the broader scheme of God's plan of the ages, you know, we see this shift in society as a whole away from clear biblical moral standards. Yes. Um, and then that leads to a third one, which is worldliness. And there is a technical difference between immorality and worldliness. Um, worldliness is broader in its connotation, but the Bible clearly talks about how we are not to be like the world. Um, we are to, you know, uh, uh, be different, to stand out, uh, to shine like lights in this perverse generation. Um, you know, uh, in Ephesians chapter five, it says you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord right. walk as children of light yeah. and to say, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Mm -hmm. um, Paul said in Colossians one verse 13, that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. And in the passage we read at the outset of the podcast today, you know, we are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter said that we're a chosen, in 1 Peter 2.9, we're a chosen generation, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that should proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness That's right. into his marvelous light. So when we begin to embrace the cultural manifestations and behaviors and thoughts and you know everything along those lines of the world, then you know we have crossed a line. I mean, we are indistinguishable from the world, and that's what the biblical concept of uh, worldliness. In fact, uh, another verse that just pops into my mind, let me see if I can get there, Colossians uh, 3 uh, says, uh, uh, he says, you yourselves are to put off all these things, wrath, malice, uh, blasphemy, filthy language, do not lie to one another, um, you know, because we are, uh, I guess I, I'm thinking of a, a different passage, Colossians 2, that, that would, it's all part of the same context, he's basically saying, your life is hidden with Christ and God, you're different, you're a new man, you're the new nature, you've been raised with Christ, so set your mind on things above, but the one I was thinking of was chapter 2, where he actually says, beware, verse 8, let anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, and deceit yeah. according to the tradition of men, yep. according to the basic principles of the world, and not yeah. according to Christ. Bingo. So I think yep. worldliness is a, you know, the church is just becoming, you know, less and less distinct from the world. Um, now, we're supposed to be in the world and not of it. We're supposed to be friendly. We're supposed to be taking the gospel to a lost and dying world. But it doesn't mean we have to act like them and look like them and speak like them and think like them. You're absolutely right. You know what, you know what that reminds me of, JB, is, is uh, another big, huge contributor to the falling away, the apostasy of the New Testament church, uh, a guy by the name of Rick Warren, who, who we used to term or the media termed him, you know, America's pastor uh, in, in his book, The Purpose Driven Church, in the very introduction, uh, which was written by W.A. Criswell, who's now passed away. Uh, W.A. Criswell said, you know, in order to reach the unchurched, we need this, we need, the church needs to be thinking more like unbelievers. Now, yeah. when I read that <laughs> statement, I literally almost fell off my chair. Yeah, because I mean, we don't need to be thinking like unbelievers. No, we're supposed no. to be separate and, and, and set apart, and we're there's supposed to be a noticeable difference. Yeah, no Isn't question. There? Yeah, I mean Rick Warren. Um, yeah, a lot of people really like him. Uh, and again, I at, at, with with great hesitancy, I I you know critique him. Um, but you know he's he's not all that people think he is. I mean he's. He was a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. He was heavily yeah, in with a lot of globalist thing. leaders, and he was, I think, uh, a controlled agent. Uh, I don't think he was always that way. I think he at one point was just a young pastor seeking to win people to Jesus and make a difference in this world. But over time, I think he he is is uh, part of the problem, not the solution. So, uh, exactly. but you're right. His whole philosophy is. We've got to be like the world so that the world will like us. And, you know, people aren't coming to church because it makes them feel uncomfortable. Well, I got to tell you, if you're an unbeliever and, and you're living in sin or, or a believer who's living in sin, either one, yeah, and you come to Plum Creek Chapel, you're not going to be comfortable. Because the Spirit of God, through the proclamation of the Word of God, is going to pierce your heart, and yeah. you're going to hear the gospel. You're going to have to wrestle with your need for a Savior and whether you want to trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. If you're a believer who's living in sin, you're going to hear the truth of God's Word, and the Spirit of God's going to use that to convict you as well. Um, I don't want unbelievers to come and, and sit in our church at like they're watching a movie at an AMC theater and feel entertained or comfortable. Right. Um, now, that said, I think there are some lessons that we can learn from the seeker movement. Uh, I mean, you know, there are practical logistical matters that would be beneficial for everyone, believer or unbeliever alike, to be more conducive to communicating the message and accurately proclaiming the message. And, you know, I think a lot of conservative churches have 
not been able to nuance that difference. And so right. they think that, you know, having green shag carpet and, you know, peeling paint on the walls and uncomfortable pews is somehow a badge of honor. And because we're not liberal, well, no, you're, you may not be liberal, but you're stupid. You know, Did you, you ought to have comfortable... green shag carpeting. <laughs> yeah. I've been in some of those churches, but you know, <laughs> you know, we ought to, we ought to do things for the glory of God. And we ought to, you know, a lot of people they'll update their house and change their carpet or paint or wallpaper pretty regularly, but they're comfortable walking into a church that looks like you're in the fifties. So <laughs> technology is another thing. It's no badge of honor. Uh, to, you know, to, 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 to do things the old way. Um, so I think, you know, we got to nuance the difference between being effective communicators and proclaimers of the word of God and how we can best do that in the age in which we live with compromising on behavioral matters and worldly matters and things like that. So, you know, I think sometimes the pendulum can swing too far the other way. We were so upset and bothered by the the apostasy in the church that we hang on to preference issues that really are not biblical absolutes and and therefore we become uh prideful um you know one of those by the way and that this brings me to my fourth of uh manifestation of apostasy we talked about doctrine morality and worldliness and now music i mean you know, Satan loves to use music to brainwash and program people's minds. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a very powerful tool. Satanists and Luciferians have known this for years. Uh, they, they, pro- they promote the Luciferian agenda through the music industry. And that has quite clearly crept into the church. And, you yeah. know, you, you, you see this through, you know, uh, despicable uh, things like, uh, what uh, we see uh, the group out there in Australia doing um, and other popular so-called Christian groups today. Um, but that said, uh, you know, music by its very nature, stylistically changes both over time and in geography uh, throughout 2000 years of church history. So, I mean, people are very short-sighted when they think, you know, we are the good guys because we only sing traditional hymns from, you know, the 1920s or the late 1800s. Well, okay, good for you. But what did they sing in the 1300s in the the church, the body of Christ, or the 400s or the 700s? You know, the church is much bigger than the last 200 years in America. And people have just a very narrow view of all that. Now, I'm not saying that it's it's wrong to sing hymns quite the contrary i think some of the hymns have some of the greatest doctrine and so forth but let's not draw lines of distinction that are narrow and not taking into account the big picture so so any music you know changes over time and there's a lot of new music today that is fantastic it's not honoring it's biblically sound it's doctrinally sound and, and i don't have any problem singing that so to me, music, the first question that we should always ask is, what's the message? Is it clear and is it correct? Is it accurate according to Scripture? And if it's not, get rid of it. And by the way, a lot of the hymns are inaccurate. And I know uh, we yes. frequently in my church will sing a great old hymn that we love, but I might change a word or two here and there because it was it was the wrong message. And right. uh, I don't want to propagate the wrong message. So the first question is, what's the message? But then I think uh, you need to to be aware of uh, the the style and the people promoting it, and is it uh, you know there are some songs that in and of themselves are uh, okay the message, but because of who produced it and uh-huh. and what their reputation is, uh, you know I don't want to go near it. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so music though it it's definitely. You know, and I've spoken at a lot of conferences throughout the country that are big conferences where they have big time music, musical guests. And I just have to, you know, bite my tongue and sit back and endure it because you listen to it. First of all, you can't most of the time can't even understand the words. Um, and, And then when you do, you think, is that really accurate? Is that what the Bible teaches? And that's what a lot of churches have adopted. Um, the, the music really has taken center stage and which that in itself is a problem because the proclamation of the word is supposed to be the primary purpose of the local assembly. So, you know, when, when I go to churches 
and I can't even find the lectern because there's so many, so many smoke machines and light machines and, you know, equipment on stage and the, the worship team leads, uh, you know, worship, I use that term loosely, team leads for 45 minutes and then they expect the pastor or the guest speaker to get up and do a 10 minute chicken soup for the soul sermon and then get out of the way. So the band can get back up there and sing for another 30 minutes. Uh, that's out of balance. Yeah. That's, that's right. absolutely out of balance. That yeah, the, absolutely. You know, the, the music is so critical. It's so important. It's part of the new Testament church. We read about that at the end of Acts chapter two, singing. Uh, Paul talks about singing and making melody in your heart. I get yeah, that. And, and we have an outstanding worship and music team at Plum Creek Chapel. And, uh, you know, people, I think, are always blessed by it. And, and, and that alone is re one reason to visit our church. But it's always got to be in balance. And if the music overshadows the teaching of God's word, I think you've got a problem. Um, and then finally, because uh, I know we're out of time, the last uh, evidence, and this is a more narrow example uh, that, I, but I, that I see of apostasy, is the degree to which churches today have capitulated to the government and allowed the government to come inside the church and tell us what to do, where to sit, wh when to sing, what to sing, what to wear, when we can meet, all of those things. And, and that's not, that shouldn't surprise us since the church has departed from the Bible and the centrality of the scriptures. It's departed from morality. It's more worldly. Then, of course, we're sitting ducks for the government to come in and say, hey, don't worship God in your church on Easter Sunday. And sadly, the vast majority of churches uh, did that uh, back in uh, the beginning days of the pandemic. So, uh, bottom line, uh, Curtis, that there is a rising tide of apostasy that should both alarm us, but also excite us, because according to Scripture, when we see that, it's it's uh, just a, one more sign of the times, like Jesus talked about, yes, that, indeed. That, that alert us that he's coming back, and it could be soon. Amen? Amen. Yeah, yeah. That is so true. Uh, there's two sides of the coin on this subject. You're right. It it's a sad thing to see, but in many cases, it's just very sad to see it and know it's happening. But uh, on the flip side of the coin, it is also one of the prime indicators that Jesus is about to come again and rapture his true church. And uh, so we, and that's something that we love the thought of and that we look forward to every day. Yeah. Uh, what's the day? I really do. I mean, I, I'm ready. I'm Maranatha. Ready. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And, and when you say rapture the true church, I think it would be good to close out one more time with letting people know what is the true church. Okay. And the true church is made up of anyone who has placed his or her faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again for your sins. That's the only way a person can become a Christian. You don't become a Christian by signing a membership card, taking a class, walking an aisle, signing a card. You become a Christian by the personal act of faith alone and Christ alone. And I hope if you're listening to this uh, podcast today, if you've not done that, that as Curtis said, today would be the day of salvation. And today would be that moment when you believe in Jesus Christ as the only one who can save you. Amen. Amen to that, JB. JB, thank you once again for, for being with us today and outlining uh, some of the some of the more uh, obvious points uh, to why the church is collapsing the way it is in uh, America and in, in most other parts of the world. I mean, the situation is no better across the pond. It's fact, it might be worse in some cases, uh, according to what I'm reading. But uh, uh, thank you for, for highlighting some of these things and bringing them to the forefront of our, of our attention, uh, because there are some things we can still do about it uh, to try and help reverse that process. <coughs> Excuse me. And as you mentioned, uh, there still are some, some churches like yours, like Plum Creek Chapel, who are still taking a stand for uh, on sound doctrine and and are are holding fast to the faith, and so uh, there are some things that we can still do to to circumvent uh, the rapid falling away in some cases. So, uh, pastors, if you're out there and you're listening to this today, 
and uh, and there's even an inkling uh, of a doubt that you're doing the right thing. Uh, better get back in the word and find out if you are, uh, if, if you need some direction and uh, uh, some self-examination would, would be well, a good thing. So do you just need to be doing your job, pastors? If you're not, uh, there are some warnings uh, about not doing the job properly. So uh, JB, we thank you for being with us and, and uh, highlighting those things. And uh, I want to remind our listeners again, uh, to tune in with us again on Saturday morning when Pastor Dick uh, takes the microphone. And um, uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to let you know, uh, Pastor has mentioned his age, uh, oh, oh, at least a, a half a dozen times, if not more, on the podcast. And so he's not going to mind me telling you that yesterday was his 82nd birthday, and uh, so I want, I want, want you to be praying for Pastor. <laughs> he, uh, he doesn't like the thought of getting older, uh, but he's doing it very, very gracefully. I want you to know the Lord is, has blessed him and, and has taken good care of him. And, and we're blessed to have him as part of our team here at the Christian Underground News Network. Yeah. So we celebrated that kind of yesterday. Yeah. He doesn't like a big deal made of it, but I'm making a big deal of it right now. So there you go, Pastor. Happy birthday, Happy birthday Pastor. Pastor Dick. Happy uh, birthday, really. Pastor. We love you. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, we do. Uh, so I, I want to let you know, Pastor Dick will be at the microphone again Saturday morning, and Lucas Doremus will be with us again uh, Saturday evening, to the best of my knowledge. He'll be with us Saturday evening. So, And I think he's going to be wrapping up uh, Proverbs, a study on Proverbs. I think we'll be in Proverbs 31. Uh, this coming Saturday evening, and, and verses ten through thirty-one. I the virtuous woman. Yes, it's going to be good. Going to be very good. So don't miss it. And uh, uh, one other reminder to live stream JB through NotByWorks.org at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado. If you're in that area, uh, I would highly recommend to you because I know this man very well. Uh, you cannot go wrong at his church. He will give you the straight stuff. Uh, he doesn't mince words a whole lot, this guy. So, and that's one of the things we love about him. That is, he, he's uh, he will stay. He'll, he'll stay doctrinally true to the word. And uh, again, that's why. Well, that's that's why we we consider him a valuable asset here on on our podcast, and we're we're very blessed to have him. So. Go to notbyworks.org, live stream his uh, Sunday morning and Wednesday evening services, uh, 9 and 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time on Sunday and 6 p.m. Mountain Time uh, on Wednesday nights. So uh, with all those reminders uh, given out, we want to thank you again for being with us here today, and we pray that you'll be with us again this coming Saturday. Uh, so until then... May God bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace in this most tumultuous time. Uh, until Saturday morning, this is the Christian Underground News Network saying goodbye, and uh, we'll see you Saturday morning. God bless.